Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. Ladies and gentlemen, I need to share something that the Lord laid on my heart because God's going to break a cycle tonight. When I was in Eagle River, says, how many have ever, I, this happens to me a lot where literally I will prophesy over somebody. And a lot of times I don't remember what I prophesied. But there are moments when I prophesy and actually that word hits me too. Because it's reciprocal. I'm giving the word, but yet at the same time the word is affecting my emotions and my spirit. And I couldn't remember what night it was in Eagle River where I called a couple up and began to prophesy over them. And I prophesied this, I'm going to break the cycle of poverty. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to see the cycle of poverty broken. Are you hearing me? And when I talk to you about poverty, I am not talking to you about economics. I'm talking to you about the emotional, the emotions, the spiritual, the physical poverty that people carry. Are you hearing me? Because you can have economic resources, but in your internal life, you can be filled with poverty and brokenness. Are you hearing me? And, and so, and you can be carrying your pain because let me just tell you where God's taken this extension, where God's taking Kings, Alaska, you've got to leave the pain of your past and step into the promise of tomorrow. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I've written three books, but Eagle River bought most of them. I think I'm just going to have to bring a pallet next time, you know. Anyhow, a few months ago, I began to write my fourth book. I, I write it every time I, every time I go on the plane. I just write the whole flight. And so I'm writing a book about the life of Ruth. Because the life of Ruth has been in the last 25 years, actually 37 years since I've been saved, has been a place where I would glean revelation because I could relate to something called loss and pain. How many have ever experienced loss and pain? And when you experience loss and pain, how many know that money is not the cure? But what the cure, ladies and gentlemen, most of the time is relationship. Especially when you have experienced loss and pain. And it's imperative that you and I understand something that we have to understand. There are certain relationships that we can never get healed unless we stay in that relationship. Because that person that I'm connected to is also the one that God's going to use to bring healing to my life. That's why God hates divorce. That's why God hates when you leave when you're offended. 
That's God. That's why God hates when you step down from the assignment that God has called you to do, because in that place of your assignment is your healing. So what happens is, I want you to turn in your Bible to Ruth chapter 2. I'm going to read the text in a moment, but let me lay a foundation of where I'm going tonight. Because we all know, if you know the context of the story, we all know that Ophrah, Ruth, and Naomi had lost their husbands. They were widows. They were impoverished. However, in their, in their poverty, see, but Naomi, it was on another level because not only did she lose her husband, but she lost her two sons. Yet, in the middle of that pain, there's a sign that God's at work. And I want to tell you something right now. Every one of us in this room experience pain, but sometimes you hear a sound. You hear a testimony. You begin to hear a possibility that something is going to change and something is going to be transformed. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because I believe that something is happening here in Alaska. Something is happening. Because God's calling the broken. God's calling the widow. God's calling those that experience great loss. And they would move up here, not because of the weather, but because of the harvest. And what began to take place is Naomi heard that God was blessing his people again. They're in, a, they're in the place of pain. They're in Moab. They have no money. They have no resources, they have no husband, they have no protection, they have no redeemer. But there's a harvest in Bethlehem. Let me just tell you, you think you're large now. You think a lot of people come here? Wait till you get in that building. Wait till you get in that building, ladies and gentlemen, because this whole state's gonna hear the harvest is here. This church is gonna change the economy in Wasilla. This church and the people of this church are going to break the cycle of poverty off an entire generation. This church is going to save Alaska. This church is going to redeem this state. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yet on the journey, as those three women are headed back to Bethlehem, there's something that we have to understand that we got to get free even tonight. Because you can hear about a revival. You can hear about a harvest. You can hear that what, about what God's doing. But if you're doing something what I call foreboding, everybody say foreboding. Foreboding actually means that even though I heard what God can do, my internal world is not seeing it because all I can think about is my pain and all I can think about is the worst. And Naomi is foreboding. She's rehearsing her loss. And when you rehearse what you, lo you lost and I rehearse what I lost, you affect the people you're called to influence. 
you, you actually, what you actually begin to do is you begin to influence the people around you because of your pain, and your pain becomes bigger than your promise. The reason why people don't walk in their promise and the reason why people don't fulfill their promise is not because the promise is not there. It's because of what they think about. Naomi can do nothing about the loss of her husband or the loss of her two sons, but she can do something about her future. And here's something what I love about the story. Even when she began to say, you know, because she began to come up with this scenario that, you know what, because why don't you go back to Moab? Go back to your pain. Go back to your alcohol. Go back to your sin. Go back. There's nothing for you in the future. You can't live in that environment. You can't thrive in that environment. You can't grow in that environment, always wanting to go back, always second-guessing yourself. You can't thrive in that environment. Is there somebody that hearing what I'm saying right now? Because if you're second-guessing yourself, you don't trust the voice of God. Because the voice of God doesn't want to send you back. The voice of God wants to move you forward. And so what happens is, finally, finally Oprah says, okay, I'm going back. And, and then what happens is, but Ruth stays. And Naomi says, are you going back? Are you going back to Moab like your, like your sister-in-law did? But she didn't say that, I'm not going back. She said something, because here's what I need. And the Lord says, I need people that aren't going to leave when it gets rough, aren't going to leave when it gets difficult, aren't going to leave when you have no sleep, that are going to walk this thing through till the end. I know that I deal with crazy people every day. Come on. I know that I deal with people that say things they shouldn't say, but I'm not leaving you in the moment of your pain. You see, what makes relationships healthy is not that they're not conflict and pain in the relationship because no relationship is void of conflict. But in the midst of conflict, you don't leave. Conflict, conflict doesn't determine your love. Because if you only love when there's no conflict, you're not in love. What conflict does is conflict's going to prove who you love and what you love. And in the conflict, when when. Naomi is constantly telling Ruth over and over and over again to go back. She will not go back because she sees Naomi in a different light. I don't see you in your pain because Naomi was speaking out of her pain. Because we got people all the time prophesying out of their pain, speaking out of their pain. We got an entire culture that they're speaking out of their pain. And it's, it's imperative that we discern where the source of their speech is coming from. It's not coming from the heart of God. It's coming out of their pain. And I've been married to my beautiful wife for 37 years. And the reason why I've been married for 37 years and have a beautiful marriage is simply that I don't define who she is. When she, if she speaks out of her pain, I'm still committed to her. I'm not committed to the pain. I'm committed to the person. Oh, come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? Because the pain is temporary. The promise is eternal. And here's what we have to understand. There'll be pain in ministry. There'll be pain in this church. But here's what we're going to do in this house. Whether you are pain or not, I'm walking this through you, and you and I are going to get healed together. 
And so what happens at this moment is Ruth then says, I'm not leaving you. Where you go, I go. Where you lodge, I lodge. And your God is my God. And she's telling Naomi, I'm going to tell you how saved I am. I'm not doing what everybody else is doing. I'm not responding to my emotions in the heat of the battle. I am controlling them. I'm digging my roots down in here because I know that my fruit is not in Moab. My fruit is in Bethlehem. My fruit is in my relationship with you and my relationship with God. Come on. And at that moment, what happens is Naomi realizes she won't leave me. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let me just tell you something. I remember one time and when Meliana and I were living in California and she was going through a time in her life where she was having, her body was changing. And I don't want to get too deep because I, I'd be on a plane for the rest of this evening. <laughs> and during that, during, that, during that season, I spent a lot of time in the garage. Come on. I was sight unseen, you know. You know, and she's from, she grew up in the islands, and it's foggy in the wintertime where I grew up, where we, where we were living at that time, and she wanted to go back to Hawaii, and she comes up to me. She comes in the garage and says, that's it, honey. I'm going back to Hawaii. I said, okay, and I stayed, and I, and I, and I walk in the room, and she's got the out on the floor, and she's packing her clothes. She's on her way. She says, I'm leaving. I'm going to Hawaii. So I, I left. I went back in the garage. She, I came back. She's about ready to zip up her suitcase. And as she's about ready to zip up her suitcase, ladies and gentlemen, I go in the closet, I grab my suitcase, and I put it right next to her, and I started packing with her. And she says, what are you doing? I said, I'm going with you. <laughs> are you hearing what I'm saying? Because here's what can happen when you're committed when you're committed, you're going to put your suitcase next to them. I'm going with you. You know what happened? The joy of the Lord hit her after that. <laughs> That's how you get healed. I'm going with you. And what happened, what, what happened in that moment with Ruth, when, when Naomi realized Ruth's not leaving me, I can't get rid of this woman. Because Ruth had a discernment that she knew that her promise, her redemption was tied to her relationship. And what I've seen people do in ministry and life is they burn too many bridges. And when they burn those bridges, they never can have those relationships that are meant to get them across the river. I'm hearing, are you hearing me? And that leads me to my text. Here in chapter 2. Because here are these two women. But Ruth understands her responsibility. I have to break the cycle of poverty. How many want to break the cycle of poverty? How many want to break that cycle? Listen to what it says. So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, verse 2, 
excuse me, I'm, I'm in the wrong. So Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, please let me go to the field. Everybody say, let me go to the field. You gotta see this. I'll tell you what broke the cycle of poverty over my life. I found a place where I can serve. I found a field. Most of us want the field to come to us. We want the opportunity to come to us. But here she is, no money, no resources, no husband. She's a foreigner. She doesn't speak the language, but she's not going to become a victim. Because when you become a victim to your pain, you never find the field where you get your blessing. Oh, are you hearing me, what I'm saying? And then what we got to do is we got to counsel you and counsel you and counsel you, and you never find the field where you could produce. But because, it's, because listen, it's not my responsibility to find a field for you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Your, your responsibility is to get the curlers out of your hair. Get over your pain. Get down to the church. Get a prophetic word and find your field. And I can tell you right now, there's a lot of fields here at this place. If you don't know where your field is, I'll show, I know Pastor Daniel and Chris will help you, direct you toward a field. Because we got too many people sitting in the pew who have won a blessing playing the victim mentality instead of realizing, I'm, yes, the pain is real. Yes, I can't deny I'm in loss and I'm broke, but I'm not going to sit here and wait for my ship to come in. I'm going to go and find a field. I'm not looking for Dr. Morocco to get me a field. I'm not looking for somebody to make a platform to me and exalt me. I'm going to find me a field. I may not preach it right. I may be a foreigner. I may be a hillbilly. I may be married to a Polynesian, but it doesn't matter. I am going to find a field. Oh, come on. If you're going to break the cycle of poverty... If you're gonna break that cycle, you gotta find a place to serve. And don't expect people to serve you because you had a painful past. Otherwise, you won't take pills all your, all your life and drink yourself silly and absolutely produce nothing. In Alaska, they don't take pills. They, I didn't even know what they looked like until Pastor Gill showed me, he said, that's a marijuana place. Spend all your money at the marijuana shop because you had your pain. I understand your pain is real. I'm not going to tell you you haven't gone through the loss. I'm not saying that uh, we're, we're not going to have show compassion for what you walked through. But let me just tell you, there comes a time when you got to stop going and buying your pot and you got to find yourself a field. And it's not the pot field, it's God's field. Because the way I got delivered, the way I got delivered, the way I got free as I find myself a field. Now hear this. She tell, so I can find a field because if I don't find a field, we're going to starve to death. 
the importance of finding your field is even more important than what you're doing right now. You've got to, because there's so many people, I don't know what God's called me to do. That's silly. How could you not know what God called you to do? You don't know your purpose. If you don't know your purpose, you'll jump from field to field to field to field to field to field and be play the victim. But when you find your, I want to find the right field. Because I'll never be productive if I'm not in the field. Let me go find a field. And glean heads of grain after him whose sight. Now, let me just stop right there for a second. Because she said something that was outside the cultural normative. Because they had a system that those that were fatherless or orphaned or widowed could go to the corner of the field. But she was telling Naomi, I don't want the corner. Because at the corner, the corner of the field isn't going to change me. In fact, at the corner of the field, I could be made vulnerable. I could get robbed. I could get raped. I don't want to be in the corner. I want to be right in the middle of the field. Which means I need, a, I, I need a miracle. I need something supernatural to happen in my life. I, I need to go right where the best grain is. I need to go right to Alaska and sit under this man of God. Are you hearing? I need to go right to the right. I, I don't want to be in the corner. And let me just tell you right now, at the corner, you're, you're vulnerable for people to capture you and the world to take you and sin to grab a hold of you. She says, she began to prophesy, I, I, want, to, I want to go right. And then others, I want, I want to get something that other people don't get. How many want to get something people don't get? It's called a blessing. Come on. Because I know I can't survive in the corner. In fact, we're so broke, I can't get enough grain to sustain us unless I get in the center of God's will. And listen to what she said. And she said something that I needed to share. She said, in whose sight I may find favor. I hear this all the time. Favor's coming. I got favor. What she's doing is she's prophesying. I'm going to go to the field. I'm from the wrong country. I, I don't even speak the language. But guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to find favor. See, a lot of people want favor to come to them, but they don't go find it. Because some of us, what we need, we need the favor of God, but we're not willing to find favor. I'm looking for my favor. I'm going to go out and search for favor. I, I'm going to go out because right now things have not been favorable for me. I, I'm a widow too. I'm childless too. I'm in. I'm a single mother. My wife passed away. They got COVID. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to find favor. Is there anybody that's going to find favor? I'm going to tell you something right now. You don't find favor doing what you used to do. You find favor being on the right field. My favor didn't come, uh, come just because I could preach. My favor came because I had a relationship with Dr. James Morocco. It, it, because favor comes from, oh, favor comes out of relationship. But when you serve in the field, the people in that field see how you labor.
see how you work, see how you serve, and they want to pour favor into your life. Come on, church. How many want to find favor? How many want to find favor? I'm going to tell you, this is going to be a year, 22, where this church and this house is going to find so much favor. You're going to have favor with your building. You're going to have favor with your employer. You're going to have favor with your contracts. You're going to have favor in your relationship. Why? Because you're going to go out and look for it. Yeah. What does she do? She prophesies. She decrees out of your mouth. Let me go to a field. So, I, so we're not in the corner. So that, you know what? They'll drop in grain so I can find favor. Because right now, we can't survive without favor. I can't survive without favor. I got so much favor. They tested me 20 times. I never tested positive. Because if I test positive, I can't travel. Are you hearing me? Meliana and I have spent $5,000 on COVID tests. I've got, most of it is going back and forth to Hawaii. And never once did I get a positive. You know why? Because I found favor. I went in one time in Oahu this last, not the couple, back in May. I had a cold. My nose was running. I was coughing in the church, preaching. And, and and then I had to go. I had to I had to go to Maui and and, and preach for Doctor Morocco. And I had to test before I went there at that time in January this past year. And you know what? I, I, and yet I walked in there and I held. I didn't sneeze. Because <laughs> if you sneeze, you're positive. Come on. <laughs> I didn't sneeze. And they stuck that Q-tip up my nose. And they twirled it around. And they gave, me, they gave me the results. And guess what? I was negative again and again and again and again. Why? Because I understood. I found my favor because I was on the right field where God could bless me. He says, you're not going to find your favor if you're in the wrong field. If you're doing the wrong thing, I'm sorry. You are not going to find your favor. Do I got anybody that wants to get to the right field? So notice, ladies, where I may find favor. But here's the interesting thing. When she decreed it, she didn't stop at the decree. She, she put her legs, she put legs on her decree, and by putting legs on her decree, ladies and gentlemen, she went to the right field. And she went to the corner, to the center, to where she owned the field. Here's what's going to happen. It would not be surprised me if I get a call from Pastor or Daniel that you just bought Wasilla. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? You own the whole city. Why? Because God brought me to this field. I mean, I thought he was crazy in 2006 for coming from Kauai to here. 
I, I thought, what are you doing? The church is growing. They're having revival. They're doing it. And then he comes here, and there's only a handful of people. But look what happens when you get in the right field, ladies and gentlemen. God doesn't drop grain. He drops favor. Because let me just tell you something right now. She, yes, she needed the grain, which is provision for her to eat. But let me just tell you what I need more than grain. I need favor. Are you hearing me? Because I need my favor. Because if I got favor, God will supply my need. If I got favor, I'll get my plane. If I got favor, I will build my church. And God will supply the grain. But the more than the grain, I need God's favor. Come on. Because my provision is in his favor. <laughs> and here's what I've noticed. Because if I'm going to break the cycle of poverty, I've got to step into my favor. And I don't know about you, but I'm ready to break the cycle of poverty off an entire generation. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to find favor. And guess what happened? When the Redeemer saw her out of the corner of his eye, he said, who is that woman? Who is that woman? Who are these people that drive to church? Who are these people in Wasilla, Alaska, building a $27 million building? Who do they think they are? They must be some. Who are these people that are laboring in their field and working in their field? I've got to bring them close to me because I've got to protect what God put inside of them. Oh, come on. And then the fact that they walk through people that are, that are foreboding and feel the pain, but they don't leave in the relationship in the heat of the battle. They stick to the relationship, and now I want to give them more than they ever do. Oh, come on. What happens? Just let me just say this. We got to We got to go to the field, not so our pastor can see us. Not so the rest of the church can see how hard we're working or how much we're gleaning. We got to go to the field so God can see us. Because I need God to see me. I need a God to see me. And when he sees me, let me just tell you, the greatest testimony of Ruth is she understood something. I'm still going to serve even when I'm dealing with pain. Because I've seen this over the years that as soon as somebody goes through a moment of pain, they stop serving. But maturity is learning that my pain doesn't determine whether I'm going to serve or not. And when God sees that, he says, wait a minute, you're too valuable to be in the corner. You're too, I'm going to have to bring you close. I'm going to have to bring you here. I'm going to have to command my man to watch over you. I'm going to have to command them to surround you. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to tell my men to drop grain on purpose for you. And I'm, I'm going to tell them not to give you leftover grain. I'm going to tell them to give you the best grain. I'm going to tell you that during COVID-19, your business is not going to go under. Your, your paycheck is going to get higher. You're going to get blessed while everybody else is losing your job. You know why? Because you knew how to serve in your pain. You didn't go into lockdown when you went through a divorce. You still showed up to early morning prayer. You still cried out to God. And guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to call you toward me. Come on. Why? Because your story moves my heart. Your testimony. Because anybody can serve God when things are going well. 
Let me tell you something. That's why I love my daughter who's been here. I was so jealous. I, I you know, I almost decided to cancel meetings because her and Prophet David went and did their youth. And, and I was so, I was, media team, how come you didn't film my daughter? She's my favorite preacher. I was going to fly over just to hear her. Because I know what she went through. But she didn't, and I didn't do it. God did it. But in the middle of her pain, losing her, in the middle of her divorce and her husband cheating on her, you know what she did? She didn't stop prophesying. She held her head up and decided instead, I remember, I, rem I remember she would call us every night after revival crying on the phone about what have I done, what have I done? But we kept telling her, Leilani, keep serving, keep prophesying, keep utilizing your gift in your pain. You're not escaping. What are you doing? You're being on the field where you're going to be most productive. Are you hearing me? Because let me just tell you, she met Prophet Dave on the field. Come on. Are you hearing what I'm saying? She met Prophet Dave when she was serving. Had she not been serving in her pain, she would have ne never met Prophet David Fang. Because a lot of you want a breakthrough. You want to be get redeemed. You want, to, you want to get married. You want to get a life. But let me just tell you, if you learn to serve in your pain, God will, oh, God will send somebody to you. God will send a blessing to you. Because I've seen people, as soon as they're in any kind of crisis, they want to take a sabbatical. They want to step down off the platform. And guess what happens? When you're, in, when, when you're in that kind of thought process, you never come back. Come on. And the way you work, because you should have never left the field. You should have never left the field. You know how many times Meliana and I could have left the field? And let me just tell you, maybe you do not know this, but I did something really crazy. Back in late May, you know, we preached 25 times, 30 times a month, almost every single day. And we started church in Tucson, Arizona. Why would you do that? Aren't you busy enough? I got an online school. I'm a, I, I have a, a publishing company. I have, I have eight employees. And you're going to start a Church, what do you think you're doing? I'll tell you why. Because there's a whole city filled with pain. And I've got to bring them out of their pain because you know what? Ruth is not gleaning just for her. She's not finding a field just for her. Because if, because if, because if it was about her, she couldn't have sustained it. Because she knew that Naomi was too weak to go to the field. She was too broken to go to the field. She was too destitute to go to the field. She was, she was too comatose, too traumatized, too, too, too hurt to go to the field. But instead of saying, you know what, I'm not going to the field because I don't care about you. I'm going to the field because I love her. If you love Alaska, you'll go to the field. If you love, if you love this city, you'll go to the field. 
And you ask what's going to happen? Because, because Ruth understood, if I don't go to the field, I don't break the cycle. Because not only do I want to break the cycle of poverty off of my own life, I want to break the cycle of poverty off her life. Because she doesn't even think her name is Naomi. She thinks her name is Mara, which means bitter. I mean, I travel, and so I, I know a lot of people walking around with bitterness. They may, they, they may drive a Rolls Royce, but they're bitter. They're not, they're not prosperous. Nobody's prosperous if they're bitter because they never can enjoy life. You can't prosper if you're bitter. And if you're bitter, it'll hinder the anointing from flowing through your life. It'll cut it off from flowing and being pure and authentic and real. You can't serve when you're bitter. You, because you can't sustain it because as soon as you get mad, you quit. But she understands. I want Naomi healed. And that's why I got to get to the right field and get the right kind of grain so that when I go home, I become a testimony. Because she got so much grain, ladies and gentlemen. Why? Because she found her favor. And her, and her favor was not the grain. Her favor was the Redeemer. Oh, come on. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The, the favor was that she made on the field, she found her redeemer. She found her real purpose. Her purpose wasn't the field. Her purpose was the redeemer. And let me just tell you right now, because if you don't go to the field, you may never find your redeemer. Because that's where I get redeemed. That's where I get blessed because he comes, Christ comes, and he shows me who I am, and all of a sudden, he, he tells me, and he encourages me, and he builds me up, and he fills my basket full of life. Come on. And then when I walk into a house filled with an atmosphere of bitterness and poverty and brokenness, what happens, ladies and gentlemen, she walked into the house and Naomi turned to her and said, whose field were you on today? Oh, you don't know where I was. I was on a field by the man name of Boaz. Oh, come on. I was on the field. You know what? Not only it was in so much pain, she was in so much torment, but when she saw the basket full of grain, when she saw Ruth carrying the blessing of God, she knew that what she had gathered was supernatural, ladies and gentlemen. Let me just tell you, you better not come home from church grumpy. You want this church to explode? Come back to church with a basket full of grain. Yes. Come, come home back to church. When you get, go back home, walk in that house to that unsaved loved one, and you're carrying more grain than they can imagine. You're carrying more joy than they can carry. You're carrying more love than they can imagine. You're carrying more peace than anybody else. You're carrying more healing on your life, ladies and gentlemen. And guess what happened? What feel? Where you go? Where you go to church? Well, there's this bald head guy that like looks with fire in his eyes. 
and he loves Jesus. And he prophesied over me, and he told me to go to the field, and my life got changed, and I got delivered. What's his name? His name is Boaz. When Naomi heard the name, she knew what the name meant. It's as if the light turned on and her hope was revived. Because how many know we live in a society full of hopelessness? What good is it for you to fall out if you don't go in, back home and revive hope? What's good to have a good service but we don't go back home and revive the hopeless and revive their hope? You know why I want to be blessed? Not so that I could just say, look what I've done. Look how much I've gleaned. Look how much favor I've got. No, I want to walk into a house. I want to walk into a place. And I want to revive the hope of the hopeless. God has put a prophetic anointing on this church. And the prophetic anointing is different. And the prophetic anointing that is on this church, says the Lord, is an anointing that revives the hope of the hopeless. And what happens is when you walk into the room, you, their hopelessness does not determine the atmosphere. Because you are a carrier of the Redeemer's blessing. It's seen all over your life. You don't have to say what you did. The world can see it. You're carriers of hope. You're carriers of prosperity. You're carriers of breakthrough. You're carrier of revival. You carry that, ladies and gentlemen. How do I know that? I can see it all over your eyes. I can see it upon your shoulders where I carry this. Why? Because I'm on the right Field, uh, and I found my favor. What, what good it is for you to find your favor if you don't share it? What good it is, is to find all this favor and grain and blessing to keep it to yourself? No wonder God brought Ruth out of the corner because she knew that when she went home, she wouldn't keep the grain to herself. She would release it on Naomi and free Naomi from her bitterness. Give God a shout of praise right now. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to Kings Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com. And may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.